Is that your testimony? The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord do what? Say so. Lift your hands and just say, I, I, I have been redeemed. I have been redeemed. Through the blood of Jesus, my life has been rescued, delivered from the curse, from sin, from bondage, from hell, from death, from sickness, poverty, all the curse of the law. I'm redeemed. Today, standing where I am, I am presently free from sin, free from the curse. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen, amen. It's important what you say. It's important what I say. Amen. Jesus is the apostle and high priest of what we say. He watches over it to make it good as we declare it in the name of Jesus, in line with the word. Amen. Father, we thank you for the word of God this morning. Thank you for all the privileges that it reveals to us. Thank you for all that you are to us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the great teacher, the Holy Spirit, who lives on the inside of us to guide us into all truth. We trust him as we approach your word to speak through our lips, think through my mind, unveil the word of God unto our spirits that we might see who you see us to be, who Jesus is, and who we are in him. We'll be careful to give you all the praise. Thank you for each person that's here in this service or that watches by live stream. Thank you, Father God. Not a one of them will leave different than they came. Or in Jesus' name, we give you praise for it. Everyone that agreed said amen. amen. Why don't you remain standing for a minute? I want to lay hands on Carla Lowe as she here. I think she's right in front. Oh, my goodness. Carla, come on up if you would. If you want to come, Brother Don, as well, that'd be fine. Honey, come with me if you would. She's going in for, is it Monday? Tomorrow, I believe. You're going in for some treatment, uh, some things that they found. They, and uh, they have peace about taking a treatment. And uh, they're believing God that the bones will take what, they'll take what needs to be taken. Amen. <laughs> so get in agreement. We're a family. We believe God with one another. Amen. Honey, let's, let's lay hands on her. Father, thank you for Carla. Thank you for all that, that you did for her when Jesus hung on that cross and took those sicknesses and took those, those things that were laid on him. And Father God, right now she stands in faith. Father, you've led her to, to do this process. And so, Father God, as she does, we lay our hands on her. We lay our hands on her to agree with her in faith that everything that the doctors are that that the doctors are doing that it'll, it'll take the bones will take it it'll they'll respond properly to it in the name of jesus satan you have nothing to do with this carla belongs to jesus and you don't have any any part in this matter so you just get out of here we agree right now for complete and whole recovery and Father, during this process, when her immune system's not built up because of what they're doing, we thank you for keeping her, protecting her. In the name of Jesus, she is under the blood, redeemed. We thank you. There goes the anointing, Carla. Receive that in faith. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. No more worry. No more care. 
You're led by the Spirit. And you don't have to worry being led by the Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. Love you both. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen. Thank God for it. Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Praise the Lord. Amen, amen. Just keep, keep, keep in this presence for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We worship you. Hmm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. I don't know what it is, Sarah Underwood. Are you needing something from God this morning? You just keep standing out to me for some reason. I don't know. I mean, if I knew more, I'd say more. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I don't know if it's in the area of healing. It might be in some other area. Does that, does that mean anything to you? going to trust the Holy Ghost. Father, whatever she needs, whatever she needs, even if it's for anything that's ahead, Father, we lay hands on her to equip so that she's equipped in the name of Jesus. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you for it, Father. On, on, Oh, I was going to say Sunday, but it wasn't. I think it was Wednesday night. Not this past Wednesday night. I think it was the Wednesday night before that Pastor Debbie preached. Wonderful service. And at the end, I had a word of knowledge about calcification deposits or something like that. And my mind, I, I could not understand what that was all about. I've learned to trust something whenever I don't understand. And so we ministered that. And was it Lily? Lily had... She, she had just scheduled, was it that day, she had scheduled to go have some, she, she had some, uh, there you are, <laughs> she had some, I guess you had had some issues and something kind of built up fluid under your arms, and then it hardened, Is that, am I saying this correct? It hardened, the, issue, the, the fluid hardened in there, and they were talking to the doctors and so forth, the doctors wanted to operate and take it out, she didn't want to take it out, and you know, who wants to have an operation, right? <laughs> But anyway, finally on that day, Wednesday, she agreed. Is my telling this correctly? You agreed to go have it taken out. Except that word of knowledge came, and you didn't connect with you didn't connect it with the word of knowledge until you went home, was it, or something? You talked to Miss Maya. But in the process, when that word was given, even though she didn't make the connection that it was her, she said those hardened places under her arms started going down. One completely disappeared, and the other one went down to just real small until the next morning it was gone. Is that correct? Hallelujah. And she talked in service that night, Wednesday night, that that word of knowledge came. You talked to Miss Maya and realized that's calcification. <laughs> that fluid had calcified. I mean... I just trust whatever, I, even if I can't figure it out, I trust what the Holy Ghost is saying. So Sarah, just take, I don't even have any idea what it's for, but take it. Take it, take it, take it. 
Praise the Lord. God is good. He's good, 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 good. Oh, I, I just remembered the rest of the story. Then Pastor Ike was here preaching last Sunday, and there was a little bit of rash still there, and he called out rash, and then that disappeared. <laughs> is that right? I said that right? Praise God. I tell you, if you need something, go to where the great physician is working, you know. Glory to your name, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, you may be seated. You, you gentlemen have a little bit of a job here to get this down. But I'm going to move down there where I can look in the whites of their eyes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank God, thank God, thank God. So many healing testimonies lately. So many. You can move it forward a little bit. I don't want to be squeezed up against the table there. Thank you. Give these men a big old hand. Yeah. Top shelf ushers. They'll smile at you. And then if you get out of line, they'll make moves you don't even know what hit you. <laughs> In love, of course. Uh, wow, where do I start this morning? Yeah, my, my, my. Why don't we go over to the book of Jude? Jude chapter number, there's just one chapter there, but Jude chapter number one. Look with me at, really, I believe, a prophecy about the end times, about the day we're living in. <clears throat> We're seeing this all around us right now. Jude chapter 1, verse 3. We're gonna, I'm, I'm going to read in the Amplified, by the way. So we're going to start in verse number 3. And we're going to read this verse. We're familiar with this verse, but we're going to read it and then read the verse after it and then see something from here that maybe we haven't uh, commented much on. But it says in Jude 1, verse 3, Beloved, my whole concern... In the Amplified. My whole concern to write to you in regards to our common salvation... But I found it necessary, my whole concern was to write to you, but I found it necessary and was impelled to write to you. Now, he's talking about the Spirit of God, uh, you know, prompted him strongly yeah, yeah. to write to you and urgently appeal to and exhort you to contend for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. The faith which is that sum of Christian belief which was delivered verbally to the holy people of God. Holy men wrote as, as God spoke to them and wrote it down here. And we have copies of what God's Word says. So he said to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. Then he said in verse number 4, 4. Now notice that's connecting this which is coming to what he just said. For certain men have crept in stealthily gaining entrance secretly by a side door. Their doom was predicted long ago. Ungodly, um, uh, impious, profane persons who, now notice this, now here he describes, now he's going to tell us what he's talking about, who pervert the grace, the spiritual blessing and favor of our God into lawlessness and wantonness and immorality 
and disown and deny our sole master, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. So he's telling us in the last days, he's saying, earnestly contend for the faith that was, King James says, for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Earnestly contend for that. Why earnestly contend for it? Because there are things trying to strip people of it. And he mentions that here. Um, You wouldn't have to tell somebody to earnestly hold fast to something or contend for it, not to let lose it, if it wasn't, if there's not something trying to take it away from you. How many of you know there's always something trying to strip you of your faith? Turn on the six o'clock news and there's something trying to strip you of your faith. It's all around. But um, he said, we are to earnestly, I'm quoting King James now, earnestly contend for that faith, uh, to contend for the faith, the Amplified says, uh, urgently. Uh, But the reason is because there's something trying to strip it away from us. And we have preached on that and shared on that a number of times that you wouldn't have to warn somebody about that unless there was something trying to strip it away from you. And you wouldn't have to contend for it if it doesn't have some value. The Bible says, hold fast the confession of your faith without wavering for his faithful that promise. And then it says, cast not away your confidence. And then he said, which hath great recompense of reward. Now that's in the life to come, of course, but that's in this life too. Holding fast to your faith in God's Word, whether that be simply your faith for Him to be your Savior or anything else He is. How many of you know He is much more than Savior? I mean, it's kind of all included in Savior, but, but He is deliverer, freedom, our freedom. He is our bondage breaker. He is our soundness of mind. He is our healer. He is our provider. He is our guide. He is our, our, our strength in the time of weakness. He's the glory and the lifter of our head. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Where we got, He got us started. He's going to get us across the finish line. But before I get to really preaching, <laughs> he said here, hold fast to your faith that was once delivered to the saints. There's a lot of, in our culture, a lot of looking for something new. Paul even said that in 1 Timothy. He said, people have, in the last days will have itching ears. They want to hear something new. And uh, they, but this verse, uh, and, they, and, they, and people today emphasize progressing forward. And the Bible talks about progressing forward. Don't misunderstand me. But really, unless you know and hold fast to what has already been established from the Word of God in the body of Christ... You cannot move forward, you're moving off. He said here, earnestly contend for something that was passed on to us from previous generations. Now, I'm not talking about everything everybody thought, but what does the Word of God say? And what, you know, like for example, whenever the Reformation started, what did Martin Luther bring back into the body of Christ? What did Charles and John Wesley, especially uh, uh, John, John Wesley, what did he bring back into the body of Christ? These are, these are valid ministries that everybody agrees, most everybody, but you know what I'm talking about, that they were sent to get something back into the body of Christ. What did the Pentecostal revival that is still spreading all over the world, what did it bring back into the body of Christ? What did the charismatic revival bring back into the body of Christ? What did all these, these, these ministries, the, the message of faith, what did that bring back? And these things were brought 
in order to restore them, just like it says in the book of, uh, it says over there in the book of James, the last chapter, it talks about the, the, the church age would be like the, the life of Job. Yeah. Yeah. I read that for years and didn't like it. But Job was very blessed at the beginning, lost it all, and then he got it restored twice as much. There in James chapter number 5 talks about you've seen the patience. He's talking about be patient till the coming of the Lord. And then he said, you've heard of the patience of Job and so forth. And then he said, you've seen the end of the Lord. In other words, Job persevered until the end and he got twice as much. Well, the church age had all the, the plan of God, the signs, wonders, miracles, supernatural deliverances for people, people being saved, whole cities turning to the Lord, things happening, outpourings of the Spirit, angels getting people out of jail. I mean, you're just, man, just signs and wonders and miracles and supernatural revelation. Just amazing things happening. But in the dark, then the church went into the dark ages. And the church lost it all, even lost salvation. They weren't even the church. That's a, if you know your history, you know the church wasn't even preaching salvation. And then Martin Luther stood up. And then John Wesley. And then these others. And, and things began to be restored back. And that's, that's just like Job. He began to have things restored and he got twice as much. Listen, until we're done, we're going to see twice as much as Peter, Paul, James, and John. Jesus said, greater works than these you're going to do. But anyway, um, there's things that you have to hold fast which were already delivered to the church. Don't look forward without holding fast to what was already established. People are throwing away the, 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 the labor of previous generations to get things established back into the body of Christ, but they're throwing it away and they're searching for something new. God is not going to build... Uh, it's like you building a house. You don't lay a foundation and then move three blocks away and start building your house. He's not building somewhere... He's, he's building on the foundation that was already laid. That's what God's doing. He's building not some... He's not moving from the, the, the uh, faith which was once delivered to the saints and, and starting over with something. He's building on what was already delivered to the saints. And then he said, so uh, he said here, uh, earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. So what was delivered to us, we have to contend for that because there's a lot contending to try to move us away from it. Then he said... For, this is the Amplified, verse 4, certain men have crept in stealthily, gaining entered secretly by a side door. Their doom was predicted long ago, ungodly, uh, impious, profane persons who, now notice here's the point I want to get to, who pervert the grace, the spiritual blessing and favor of our God into lawlessness. Now the word lawlessness in the Amplified goes on and said wantonness and immorality. The word lawless means, lawlessness means no restraint. So get this very clearly. He's talking about the last days. And he's saying the last days, there's going to be, we know this from 1 Timothy 3. I think you're familiar with 1 Timothy 3, where it talks, is it 1 Timothy, I believe, where it talks about the, in the last days, perilous times will come. Let me get that verse, just because I want to make sure you get it. Is it chapter 3 or chapter 4, I believe, maybe? He said, the Holy Spirit, this, this is amplified, chapter 4, 1 Timothy 4, 1. Holy Spirit distinctly and expressly declares that in the latter days, some, say it out loud, that's not me. That's not me. 
Some's not everybody. Some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to... Uh, uh, this is the Amplified here. Turning away from the faith, giving attention and del to deluding and seducing spirits and doctrines that demons preach or, or teach. Excuse me. There's doctrines in the church that demons preach. And he mentioned one over there in Jude. Perverting the grace of God into lasciviousness. In other words, just lasciviousness means no restraint. Just do whatever you want. Why? He mentioned there why. Because we're all under grace. Huh? The Bible says that the grace of God teaches us to live godly. But see, we've got a message today that is hyper-grace, that is teaching people not to live godly, not to live more dedicated, not to live more holy, not to be more faithful, not to stay in church, not to bring their tithes, not to serve the kingdom, not to advance the kingdom, but to live in the flesh. They look more like the world. They act more like the world. Every pastor I have ever met across America where this hyper grace, I call it hyper grace. There's a true message of grace in the Bible. And we talk about it here. When we talk about in Christ, we're talking about grace. <laughs> but whenever, whenever pastors all across, and I've seen it, try to get in here. When pastors all across America, they say this message of hyper grace, which just, and I'll define it here in a little bit, uh, uh, they tries to get in their church. They said every time it causes people to be less dedicated, less consecrated, less like Christ, more like the world, uh, uh, less faithful to God. You know what I'm talking about? Well, the Bible says you can know things by their fruit. Am I still preaching to the right crowd this morning? And so the people, um, they become more, they get a hold of this message I call it hyper grace, which just is preaching. Let me kind of define what that is because, you know, sometimes people, they hear us talk about it and they don't realize what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about what the Bible says. I'm talking about, you know, because we're already all, all forgiven, you can just do, live however you want. And people get, people get mistresses on the side and they want to live in plurality of marriages and they want to drink and they want to, uh, you know, somebody said, we're not, un and they, they'll say often, we're not under the law. You people are under bondage. And, uh, you know, we're free. And anytime the Bible says, New Testament, New Testament says anything about responsibility, they scream legalism. Huh? No, we just we 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 don't we, we're not under the law. We're not under legalism. We can just live like however we want because we're all under grace. That's turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. Amen. 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 Say it out loud. Amen. Now let's just look at something here because I want to. This verse keeps coming up, and I I prepared all this without much time. Thank God for the helper this morning. But I want you to look at a verse. I, I'll find it while I'm talking to you. Uh, uh, it's called. Yeah, uh, that's because I didn't spell it right. Teacheth, 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 teacheth. T H. The this verse is in. Go to. Uh, that's not it either. There's a verse. Some of you Bible scholars out there need to find this verse. It talks about the grace of God teaching us to live godly. 
I think it's in, it's in Titus. Titus 2.11. Look that up. Somebody up here in the front, maybe I'll just read your iPhone or something. Titus 2.11. People today say they're under grace. Thank you, Matt. Is that the King James? And then the Amplified. But let me read King James. 2.11. Is that what you said? 11 and 12. For the grace of God. That's what, that's what uh, we have in the New Covenant. The grace of God. That bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and ungodly in this present world. What does grace teach you? To deny ungodliness and worldly lust. And to live soberly and righteously. Let me make sure I got it right. And soberly, righteously, and godly. That's talking about lifestyle. Oh, but that's legalism. We're not, we're not saved by, by keeping the law. Who said that was keeping the law? Come on. It's living out of this new nature. It's living out of the new nature. Go to Galatians chapter number 2. I need to start bringing my paper Bible to church. I, I use my iPad. But when I get these verses come up in my spirit, sometimes I can't find them on my iPad as quickly. But let's just see if I can, let's see how good Pastor is with this thing. Galatians chapter number 2, I believe it's chapter number 2. Um, the, the last couple of verses here, is it chapter number 2? Uh, look, at, look at this in verse, let's start back. Uh, That's, that's not what I'm looking for. But there's, there's some verses here that talk about the, uh, the uh, is it 4, chapter number 4? Galatians chapter number 4. No, that's not it either. Anyway, th those that do by nature. Wh what chapter are you in? Chapter 2 right Chapter 2. Yep. Okay, y'all got a minute? Yeah. Uh, Oh, that's chapter 3, that's why. That's one thing about computers. <laughs> chapter 2. Oh, that's chapter 3. What's going on with my computer here? Come on now. Chapter 2, what verse are you talking about? Yeah, okay. Chapter 2, Galatians 2, verse 15. It says, We who are Jews by nature... And not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we believed in Jesus that we might be justified by faith. Uh, no, that's not it. Okay. But anyway, it talks here somewhere that we live uh, not out of the uh, law, but out of the new nature. Huh? I'm going to let it go for right now because I'm not going to find it right this morning. But uh, you'll find it. Some of you Bible scholars, you should be able to find it this afternoon. Uh, but it talks about not, we don't live under the law, but we live out of the new nature. We govern our, the Amplified says we govern our lives Amen. by the new nature. Amen. We govern our lives by the new nature. Yes. Notice it didn't say we just live however we want. Huh? Uh, no, I, I know what you're talking about. We can go to Romans 2, though. Go ahead and go to Romans chapter number 2. It talks about the similar thing. But Galatians specifically says it, we govern our lives by the new nature. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We don't have ungoverned lives. That's 
We just don't do it by the law. Amen. We do it by a higher principle. We do it by a new nature. So go to Romans chapter number 2. That is one that, that does talk about this. <clears throat> I like this passage as well. What are we at? 14? Verse 14. When the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature. Now he's talking about us who are saved. And we have the new nature. Do by nature. Say nature. nature. Talking about the new birth, the new nature. Be in Christ. He's a new creation. We do by nature the things contained in the law. These having not the law. In other words, they're not under the law, but they end up doing what the law requires. These having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts. Their conscience also bearing witness, their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. So that's talking about we don't live under the law, but by living out of the new nature, which Galatians talked about. I really wish I could find that verse, but we'll move on. Uh, we, we will end up doing everything that the law demands. Are you still with me this morning? We'll end up doing everything that the law demands. Amen. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. hallelujah. Now, what is that? We are, no longer, we are no longer keeping the law to be right with God. That's right. We were made right yeah. by faith. Right. That was applied to us, yeah. not by works. Right. But God still wants right living. And calls for right living in His Word. Yes, the, the apostles wasted a lot of time talking about right living if it's not yeah. for us today. Tell your neighbor, he's preaching all right. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, go to Galatians chapter number 6. I just had it come up in my spirit. I should have dipped earlier. Galatians chapter number 6. Verse 15. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. Now, that was something required under the law to be right, to be righteous. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision availeth anything, but the, uh, the new creation. As many as walk according to this rule. Stop right there. What rule is he talking about? The new creation. The new creation. Peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. Now listen to the Amplified. This is verse 15 and 16. Neither is circumcision now of any importance, nor uncircumcision, but only a new creation, the result of a new birth and a new nature in Christ Jesus the Messiah. Peace, look at verse 16. Peace and mercy be upon all who walk by this rule, who discipline themselves. Oh, well, wait a minute. We're not under the law. We're not under the law. We don't need to discipline ourselves. No, we discipline ourselves. We discipline ourselves and regulate our lives by this principle. Even upon the true Israel of God. We govern our lives by the new nature. Now, we're, we're not under the law. You know the Ten Commandments was part of the law? Somebody said the law's been done away with. Well, not exactly. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. Now, there's, there's a couple different sides to that. We're going to get to something this morning. This is not really my subject. This is my introduction. <laughs> there's a couple different sides to that. When he fulfilled the law, that means he fulfilled all the righteous requirements of the law. 
Glory to God. Because I couldn't, you couldn't. Woo. Yeah, fess up to it. You know it. But, but we, and we couldn't do it, but, <clears throat> tell your neighbor, but, but. Jesus, did. Jesus did. Say it out loud, Jesus did it for me. Amen. Amen. Now, the fact that He did it for you means He fulfilled the righteous demands of the law, and through faith in Him now, you're redeemed from the curse yes. for breaking God's law, that the blessing of Abraham might come on you, not through your works, but through faith in Christ. Because He fulfilled it, and you can get in on the blessing that is due to a man who fulfills the law. <laughs> through your faith in Him. Amen. Hallelujah. So that's part of what it means. But He still says, He still says that He wants us to live right and not be lascivious. Now that doesn't just, in, that doesn't just mean in the area of sexual immorality, although that's included, but just means fleshly. You know, because one of the fruit of the Spirit is uh, temperance. It's, a very, it's the opposite word of lasciviousness. Temperance means self-control. Or literally body control, mind control. How many of you knew you need to control where your thoughts go? You need to control your body, what's your flesh? Your flesh has some appetite. You're born again. You have a new nature in your spirit. Your nature is the righteousness of God. If any man be in Christ, a new creature, all things pass away, all things become new. Uh, and he said where he was made sin for us who knew no sin, the women might be made the righteousness of God. How did we get that way? We were made that way. But that's not in your flesh. That's your spiritual nature. And the flesh lusteth against the flesh, and the flesh lusteth against the spirit. There's a conflict between the nature of your flesh and the nature of your spirit. Your spirit has the new nature of righteousness and true holiness. Your flesh still has the nature of the old sinner man that it always had, and if you let it, it'll do anything that any old sinner will do. Yours. <laughs> That's right. These people around here, they no, yours, yours. You've got the flesh to deal with. I'm telling you, if you don't stay on top of it, it'll start acting just like, just like you did before you got saved. And then people say, well, I don't understand. That person's saved. I don't know why they did that. Oh, I know why they did that. Same reason all the rest of us did it. So anyway, he's telling us to govern our lives by this new nature. Amen. Now, the, let the inward man dominate you. Paul said, I keep under my body. I keep my body under. Why? Because it wanted to do some things. But that's not what the modern day grace teachers are saying. They're not telling you to keep your body under. They're saying that, that you can live any old way because you've already been forgiven for past sins, present sins, and future sins. Well, then why did 1 John 1, 9 say, confess your sin and He's faithful and just to forgive you? Oh, that's not written to Christians. And you're a liar. And you're a liar. He starts out saying, brethren. Yes, that's right. That's right. He starts out saying, go read it. He starts out saying, brethren. He's writing to Christians. Amen. So, now that we've got the service introduced. <laughs> that's really not my subject. But um, I want you to see something here. You saw Romans 2. Because people say, we're under grace, so we don't need to do this. We don't need to do that. We don't need to do the other. The most, most recent one is we don't need to tithe because we're under grace. <coughs> go, to, go to the fifth chapter of Matthew. 
People say it's not in the New Testament. Oh, I would hate to display my ignorance of the New Testament in public like that. How much time do you have? I've got at least five for you right now. Five scriptures in the New Testament. And that's just the direct ones. There's other ones that basically say it, but it's not direct. So we're going to Matthew chapter number 5. And uh, let's just look at verse number 17. Matthew chapter number 5, verse number 17. Still glad you came this morning? We just have to address things because it's becoming obvious to me that things are getting off out there. And it's getting worse and worse. And I used to not say much about it, but I realized, and God's been dealing with me, your people listen to this. They're listening to things. So I have to. And I, and I, I don't, you know, there's so many things I want to preach, but I'm spending so much time on cleanup. But we'll just, we'll just, if this is a season, that's fine. All right. Okay, you're in Matthew 5. Yes, sir. Look at verse number 17. Then we're going to read on down through. Think not that I am come. This is where Jesus said this. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy it, but to fulfill it. For then there's more to that than the way we, than we uh, interpreted that. But just for now, we'll, we'll keep on reading here. I didn't come to destroy it. I come to fulfill it. For, er, for, for verily I say unto you, until heaven and earth... Uh, pass not one jot or one tittle shall in any wise pass from the law until all be fulfilled whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so he shall be called least in the kingdom of God whosoever shall do and teach them shall be called great in the kingdom excuse me the kingdom of God now look at verse 20 for I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees now those are the ones keeping the law you understand who he's talking about here unless your righteousness exceed you got to circle that word exceed there the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes through, I think it's the rest of the chapter, I'd have to look here, maybe not the rest of the chapter, but it's most of the rest of the chapter, I think. He goes into, uh, well, verse 21 is the very next verse. Notice, you have heard that it was said of them of old. Now that's talking about those that preach the law. Thou shalt not kill. How many of you know that was one of the Ten Commandments? That's what he was said of old. But then he said, Whoever kills shall be in danger of judgment. I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And Jesus goes into this series of saying, You have heard that it has been said, but I say unto you. In fact, go over this one. Everybody understands. Verse 27. You have heard by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you. So notice, of old time they said, But I say unto you. That notice he said, here's what I have to say about it. Whoever looks on a woman with, to lust with, uh, after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Oh, we understand that. So, so that, and, and he goes on, I think there's five or so different, six different ones he, he brings out. Those two will suffice for us to understand what he's talking about. He, he's, everything he's saying from then on goes back to verse 17 and verse 21, or, or excuse me, verse 20. I say, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees and scribes. Now that's talking about this, the, the righteousness of the law. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yes, sir. Except it exceeds that, you shall nowise enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes through how the New Testament has a higher standard. Isn't that what he's saying? Yeah. The law says don't kill. I say don't even hate a man in your heart. Uh -huh. yeah, that's right. That's right. The law says don't commit adultery. 
I say, don't even look with lust with your eyes. That's a higher standard. Isn't that right? And people have said, we're not under the law, so we don't have to do this, we don't have to do that. Well, let's just, let's just take that literally. We're not under the law, so now we can kill. Is that, is, it, is that the way we're supposed to interpret that? Yippee! Whoa, get the shotgun. No, hold on, horsey. Right? Well, we're under grace. We can just live however we want. And they go to Romans 6.14. Look at Romans 6.14. This is the verse they go to many times. And we'll come back here to Matthew. Uh, we've got a lot of things open. But we're <laughs> go to Romans chapter number 6, verse number 14. And this is where they quote a lot of times. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. They love the second part of the verse. But because sin has dominion over them, and they're living in sin, proves they're not under grace. If they were under grace, sin wouldn't have dominion over them. They love saying, we're not under the law, we're under grace. But he said, if that's so, sin doesn't have dominion over you. In other words, you're not living in sin. But they are living in sin. They are. They're bound by sin. So they're not living under grace. Did you see that? I'm telling you, this is a doctrine of devils that has gotten into the church. You say, Pastor, that's going a little far. I've meditated on me what I'm saying. You can know things by their fruit. He said in the last days there would be a departure from grace because of a perverse... Excuse me. No, 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 no. No, no, that's not what he said. There would be a departure from faith because of a perversion of grace, of the message of grace. Of the true message. There is a true message of grace. <laughs> It has made us new people. Yes, come on. Praise God. But there's a perversion of it out there. There's a, there's a false version of it out there. And it is, it is changing people. It's changing their thinking. And they, they, they have no, no consecration. It takes their consecration to God from here and takes the bottom out from under it pulls the rug out from under it and people are are are, are becoming carnal and becoming and it just the fruit of it tells you where it's coming from i didn't want to share all this this morning i had a nice good sermon that would be i had a pretty bow on it it was lovely everybody would have loved me afterwards and i kept being coming back to this in fact until i got up there right, right sitting right here i'm still like okay i'm looking through my notes trying to find something else and I couldn't get any unction. I was like, where's those old notes? I, I, got some things, I, I got some things about 10 days ago. Where are they at? Did you see me? I'm up here. Say it out loud. Help us, Jesus. Say, so we've got, we've got, and this stuff is, I, I, that's what I was talking about a few weeks ago. We need leaders in the body of Christ to stand up and tell the truth about it. And uh, I don't have a voice into many of these people's lives, but I, I, I obey God for where I'm set. Amen. So he says here that um, people tell us, th these, these, this message 
has made people to think, by, by what people are hearing, it's made them think that any time we talk about being doers of the word, we're putting people in bondage. Any responsibility that the Bible puts on them, they start screaming bondage, legalism, you're trying to put us under the law. We don't have any commandments in the New Testament. Oh, really? The first and greatest one is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength, and all your might, and whatever else he said. <laughs> Just love God with every part of your being. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, but that's that, 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 I just do that in my heart. Oh, really? Okay, go to John's gospel. Praise the Lord. Saying this in love, not mad at anybody. Just want to not, not lose the real faith that was once delivered to the saints. We want to hold that fast. So we're going to John's gospel. Is it chapter number uh, 14 here? He said... In chapter 14, verse number... Four, uh, let's go to verse number 21. He that has my commandments, plural, and keeps them, he it is that loves me. So in God's mind, to love Him, because that's the first and greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. To love Him means to obey Him. Yes. Obey what He said do. Yes. Obey what? What, what did he say to do? What did his words say to do? So when his word says, be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. No, we're not under the law. Every little thing that puts any responsibility on them, they want to scream legalism, bondage. When actually the very opposite is true, that's where your freedom is. The body of Christ today has lost sight of when you give place to the devil, he has access to you. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And you need to keep the door closed to the devil. And so, and so we've got Jesus saying here that this in his he and God's thinking to love God means to keep his commandments. Isn't that what he said? He that hath my commandments and keep them, he it is that loves me. He that loves me shall be loved to my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. And he said it again in a couple other places, same thing, really. So uh, I want you to see that um, you've got to guard your ears what you're hearing out there. I'm not saying don't listen to anybody else. That's wrong. That's wrong. Absolutely wrong. Because, the, the, because it's not right. There's, to, to say don't listen to anybody else would be saying that I'm the only one that has the true message. That's not true at all. So I'm not saying don't listen to anybody. I'm saying you're going to have to become more and more grounded in the Word yes. the yes. further you go because there are doctrines flying around out there, yes. winds of doctrines, doctrines of devils. It's getting worse and worse. Yes. And one of the reasons is true spiritual leaders are not speaking to the issues, uh, uh, not correcting wrong doctrines. Yeah. Paul, if you read his writings, especially the books of Timothy and so forth, really all his writings, but if you read it, he addressed wrong doctrine over and over and over and over and over again. Because a, a wrong doctrine makes the church powerless. And we, it will cause us to no longer be the salt of the earth. The Bible said that salt that loses its savor is worth nothing but to throw it out. 
He said, you are the salt of the earth. It is, it is right living that makes a society stay going. <laughs> Listen, whatever has gotten into the politics, it's called woke. Political correctness. That same spirit is in the church saying, live any old way you want. Same spirit. Same spirit. And if we as the body of Christ yield to it, our, our, our salt has lost its savor. And we are no longer going to preserve. You know, we are what preserves a land. We, the church, the body of Christ, is what preserves a land. Now, there's a remnant that's not going along with this. So not, not, don't, don't think I'm saying this morning, everybody's going, the church is all going. No, the whole church is not going the wrong direction. There's, there's a remnant of people that are saying, no, no, that's not what the Word says. Amen. But um, we've, we've got to recognize that there are things we've got to guard against. So um, he said here, the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Amen. Now, where people are missing it is over in Ephesians chapter number 2. I'm trying to get to something here. I'll, I'll get to it. We might not get as far as I wanted to. I think we might finish it on Wednesday night. We'll have to see. We'll just see how the Lord leads. But go to Ephesians chapter number 2, a verse we're very familiar with. But maybe we need to look at it again. Look at verses 9 and 10, Ephesians 2, 9 and 10. This is King James. Well, let's go back to verse 8, actually. By grace are you saved through faith. Not that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Talking about salvation, really actually faith too is the gift of God, but that's another subject. Not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works. In other words, salvation is not of works. And that's true. It's not of works. Then he said, lest any man should boast. For, look at verse 10, we are his workmanship. King James says, I believe, or the Amplified says, handiwork, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So somebody said, we're not saved by works, so we don't want anything to do with works. Well, hold on, horsey. Whoa, 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 whoa. Get a hold of the reins there. You're, you're, you're about to go over a cliff. We're not saved by works. Absolutely. We're saved by grace through faith. By the way, it's not just by grace. It's by grace through faith. And it's not just by faith. You can use all the faith you got, and if grace doesn't provide it, you're not going to enjoy it. But grace has provided salvation. But it's not going to be just everybody on the planet that's going to be saved because it's by grace. No, it's by grace through faith. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Some of you are scared to say it. Damned. <laughs> that's your Bible. <laughs> Amen. Although it's provided by grace, it's not automatically applied to every person. Then not everybody goes to heaven just because grace provided it. It's by grace through faith. By grace through faith. That's the way everything in the kingdom of God is. Man has, God has a part, yes, but man has a part. Man has a part. And that's what these people are so scared of. Man has a part. So he said here, uh, not of works... And then he says in verse number, unless I mention boast, we are his workmanship. 
That's talking about the recreation. I think the Amplified says, even says that recreated in Christ Jesus unto good works. That's talking about the reborn again human spirit. Jesus said, "Ye must be born again." Hallelujah. And so that's talking about if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Creature means creation. I think some became creatures, but other words, most are creations. <laughs> I'm just messing with but But a new creation, that's that new nature. That's that yes. new birth. Yes. You ought to study that new nature. Yes. Somebody said, I don't know who I am. Well, if you study the new nature, you know exactly who you are. Then he said, for we are His workmanship created, or the Amplified says recreated in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God has done away with because we're under grace. No, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Good works. Good works. No, we're not saved by grace. Excuse me, we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace through faith. But once you're saved, God has some work to do. And I don't just mean, you know, you know help in the church. So that's part of it. But I mean, you crucify your flesh. Live right. Amen. Amen. See, that's where people are missing it. They think that we're not saved by works, so God is, is down on works. So when, when somebody talks about works, God goes, boo, boo, no, no. No, he doesn't. Read your Bible closer than that. <laughs> Amen. All right. Hallelujah. You're not saved by works, but once you are saved, works is a lot. You know, your whole eternal status in, the, in, in heaven is going to be based on your works. I don't mean whether you get there or not. I mean your rank when you get there. Read it closely. The Bible says some get special decorated garments and crowns. Everybody gets a robe of righteousness because they're righteous in Christ. So they all get, you know, a white robe. But some get these glowing jewel, robes with jewels and stuff. Wow. I mean, everybody gets a toga, but. <laughs> you don't want to go through eternity just wearing a toga. Everybody that sees you say, uh huh, didn't obey God in the church age, did you? <laughs> People are funny. Some of these grace preachers, they're, they're, they're a mile wide and about a quarter of an inch deep. I'm talking doctrinally and spiritually. We're not fighting anybody. We're just contending for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, um, in the name of being free, they throw off all responsibility. They throw off all controlling of their fleshly appetites. And just do as they please. And you start talking about the Word of God, and they holler, bondage. That's exactly opposite of what the Bible said. The Bible said, you know the truth, the truth will make you free. Well, now, now the latest one is tithing. And it's been said now that tithing, you know, is done away with because of we're under grace. Okay. We're under grace. 
according to Jesus in Matthew 5. If you're under grace, which is what he was ushering in. He said, I say unto you, he's ushering in grace and faith. According to that, he's ushering that in. So you're not under the law, so you're under grace, so you're doing more than tithing. Is that what you're saying to me? You're under grace. Because because you're under grace, your righteousness exceeds those of the law. So congratulations, you're under grace. Isn't that wonderful? You've moved beyond the tithe now. You're giving the tithes and offerings. And good job, good job. You're becoming more generous. You're becoming more like Jesus. Good job. But that's not what they're doing. Under grace, they're throwing off tithing and say, we don't need to tithe. What's wrong with you? Jesus made you a new creation. Change your eternal destiny from heaven to, I mean, from, from hell to heaven. Made you a new man. Washed you, cleansed you, started restoring your mind. And you want to do less than even people under the old covenant did? You have a better covenant established upon better promises and you want to do less. What's wrong? They're not under grace. They're under the, the dictates of their flesh. Now, you might say, well, grace, I mean, excuse me, tithing isn't in the New Testament. Well, just because you brought that up. Let's just look at some of the verses. Let's look at, first of all, go to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6. Praise the Lord. Just answering some stuff. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 6. This is, this is maybe not as clear as other ones, but you'll see some that are real clear. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and verse 6, it says, The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Let's go back up, because that's kind of in the middle. Um, he's talking about uh, ministry and given to ministry. Uh, the things you've heard of me. He's talking, to, he's talking to Timothy, a young minister. Things you've heard of me back in verse number two. Uh, among many witnesses, commit to all the faith of men who will be able to teach others also. He's talking about teachers, preachers in the body of Christ, teaching, preaching the word of God. He said, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That's for everybody, but he's applying that to the ministry. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, they may please him that chose him to be a soldier. Then not more specifically, he's talking about ministry. He's talking about whenever we're called to the ministry and sent out by the head of the church to go into the, 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 the battle, so to speak. Not that we're battling the devil, but, you know, we're, we're contending out there on the front lines, getting people saved and so forth, and getting people's minds renewed and getting them established in the Word. He said, that man can't be caught up with being, you know, having a job to pay for all his bills. Just like our military pays for our, our I mean, our government pays for our military's machine guns and tanks. You know, if our military goes to war, they never come by the church here and say, could you help us buy our guns? No, our taxes pay for that. Amen. And he's saying, whenever I, God's saying, whenever I call people to the ministry, I don't want them distracted by all, you know, having to work a job plus preaching. That's what he's talking about. Uh, thou, that in, and we'll look at a verse here in a moment that describes that more. Therefore, endure hardness is good. So no man that wars entangles the with the affairs of this life, he may please him that's chosen him to be a soldier. If any man also strive for the mastery, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. That's talking about, you know, uh, you know like a, 
uh, Olympics and things like that or athletic competitions. The husbandman, so he's given three illustrations here of what it's like to be in a ministry. It's like being a soldier, it's like being in an athletic competition, and it's like being a husbandman or a farmer that laboreth. He must be first partaker of the fruits. First partaker of the fruits. In other words, the first of all that that comes in is his. That's talking about the tithe. That one might not be as clear, but you need to meditate on that because that's exactly what he's talking about. Now go to Mark chapter number 12, verse number 17. You're still glad you came this morning. I know we're out of time, but I don't know who determined when to get out. But anyway, Mark chapter number 12, verse number 17. And we're not even scratching the surface of this. Because the, the, what the, all this is about is a heart issue. It's not about do we or don't we. Do we pay the bill we owe God? You're missing the whole point. The whole point of the Old Testament was to show, show them, teach them to put God first. It was called tithe in the Old Testament. And in it, many verses it would even say the tithe. And then it would use another term, the first fruits. And one translation says, I believe it's Deuteronomy 14. I'd have to look it up. Verse 27, maybe it could be. Uh, I'll give it to you here. It talks about in the New Living, I mean in the uh, Living Bible, excuse me, it says that the point of all this is to teach you to put God first. Uh, it's up here somewhere. <laughs> Can you say amen? amen. Tithing, first, uh, Deuteronomy 14, 23, 22 and 23 in the Living Bible. The point is to teach you to put God first. It wasn't God wanting a mere cash payment. He was, he was dealing with heart issues. Yes, yes. And Jesus said, where your treasure is, there is where your heart will be also. It shows. This reveals. Somebody said, well, we, we, don't, we don't earn any blessings by that. We're not talking about earning. We're talking about a heart issue of putting God first, honoring what He's done for you, loving Him. Honor, love, and putting Him first. That's the big issue. Amen. Somebody said, I can do that in my heart without doing anything. Oh, well, try that with your wife. Oh, I have it in my heart. Does that work, you guys? They don't answer it. Ladies, does that work? Oh, he has it in his heart, but he never does anything. Anybody any willing to say, hit him in the face? Is that what you want to say? It doesn't work with husbands and wives it doesn't work with other people and it doesn't work with God if you love me have a warm feeling in your heart for me is that what Jesus said raise your hands in church and say how much you love him no if you love me keep my commandments and I said the first is mine first is mine but that's legalism no that's called faith people people they miss that well well, we're not under the law. Tithing was before the law, and it was a faith thing before the law. It really was supposed to be a faith thing under the law, and it's a faith thing now. By faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By the which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, that he being dead yet speaketh. Why did they tithe before the law? Abel and Cain and Abel before the law. Why did they tithe before the law? Because of faith. Yes. Yes. To say tithing's done away with is to say that faith is done away with. Oh, come on. 
We don't have to trust God financially anymore. We're free. Free to be broke. <laughs> yeah, you can do whatever you want. See, it's, it's people, they, they miss the whole point. The Bible plainly says that the things that were written, talking about the Old Testament, if you read what he's talking about, the things that were, ha that, uh, that, that were said in the Old Testament, the Bible clearly says they happened as types and shadows of that which is to come. But what was, what was tithing a type and a shadow of? It would, it would, we would use the word tithing, and it would often say first fruits. It's a, it's a, it's a putting God first thing. And that hasn't been done away with in the New Testament. Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first. First. We don't have time to go through all the verses, but many, many Old Testament verses, they talk about the tithe, and, that when, and then they would switch and use another term, first fruits. First, first of all your increase. By the way, talking about Cain and Abel, read John chapter, what is, I mean, first John chapter number three, I believe, where it talks about uh, Cain killing Abel. He said, don't be of that wicked one like Cain. Remember that? And he said, talking about Cain, it says Cain murdered Abel. Can you find that for me? 312. Start reading there, there, Matt. First, not as Cain who was that of wicked one. Not as Cain who was of that wicked one and slew his brother. Many times, if I can get the first part, I can get the first. <laughs> and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he? And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil. Because his own works were evil, yes. and his brother's righteous. That's right. Stop right there and think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Which works was he talking about? Right. Come on. Not tithing. Thank you. That's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no way. No way. People spit. And they... That's what the murder was over. It was over that God accepted Abel's and didn't accept Cain's. That's, you go back and read it. It, it wasn't something after that. It was that. And you got to go looking why God accepted Abel's and not Cain's. Read it again. It's in the fourth chapter of Genesis for all you people that don't know what your Bible says. Genesis says that Abel brought the first of all his increase. And it says in the process of time. In other words, it wasn't the first. Abel brought an offering. Come on now. It wasn't the first. It was just an offering. But it, was, it was after he, he had eaten all of his and so forth. He said it was evil. Woo! The first murder was over tithes. <laughs> anyway, tell your neighbor, he went ahead and started preaching this morning. So you went to Mark chapter 12, did you? Mark chapter 12, verse number 17. Some of these are going to get real good here. Jesus answered, said unto them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. That was him answering that question, you know, that they brought to him about paying taxes. 
the main point is whether we pay taxes or not, and he answered, he's saying yes. But he basically said, just like there's something that belongs to the government, there's something that belongs to God. Now, last I checked, Jesus was, the, was under the New Testament. Maybe we should study that. You think maybe he's under the old Levitical law? Or was he maybe New Testament? Dear God, he ushered in the New Testament. <laughs> and he said, there's something that belongs to God. Well, that goes back to Leviticus 27, 30, in case you didn't know what to belong to God. All the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land uh, uh, or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. The tithe is the Lord's. Render to Caesar what is Caesar. Render to God what is God's. Is there something in your pocket that belongs to God? Is there something in my life that belongs to God? Every place, this is the way God is. He did it in the Garden of Eden. He did it over and over again. He'll say, everything's yours except that right there belongs to me. Don't touch it. He put a tree in the garden and said, everything's yours except don't touch that. See, it's a heart test. It's a heart test. It's a heart test. Tithing is the ultimate stewardship test, and it's an ultimate heart test of where your heart really is. Because Jesus said, where your heart treasure is, there's where your heart's going to be also. Praise the Lord. So render to God what is God's. So that's just two of them. You want to look at a couple more? Go to Luke, four, Luke chapter number 11. Luke 11. People say it's not in the New Testament. We're not even looking at the main ones yet. <laughs> Luke 11, verse number 42. This is, again, we're not taking the time to look at the whole thing, but I'll give you the context. <clears throat> Jesus is talking about the Pharisees being meticulous about keeping the law, but overlooking the weightier matters and so forth. Um, he, this, this is where he said, you strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. You remember that? <laughs> they get all focused in on one thing and miss the big picture. That's what we're trying to do today. Get, get our eyes off of the mere cash payment to the honor in our heart for God. The love in our heart for God. Amen. Now look here. This is Luke 11, verse number uh, 42. Jesus is saying, He said this, Woe unto you, Pharisees, ye that tithe mint, and rue. He's talking to the, to the people under the law. Mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass over, the judge, over judgment and the love of God. These ought you to have done, talking about tithing, and not to leave the others undone. So the main point he's making here is focus on the bigger issues. The love of God. Is this the one that says faith? No, it's Matthew's account that actually includes the word faith here. When he said you ought to have uh, not passed over judgment of God, judgment, the love of God, and faith. I believe it's Matthew's account. It adds faith to that. So he's saying these are the big, these are the big heart issues. He said you look past the heart issues. Amen. But you get all meticulous about, you know, you, you, you grow an herb in your garden yeah. and you make sure and tithe on that. Yeah. Well, he said, you ought to do that. Yes. 
He didn't say, no, that's under Old Testament. I'm bringing in the New Testament. That ought not you do anymore. If it's done away with, where is the specific direction to not do it anymore? That's true. Yes. Right. God doesn't need to keep saying something. In fact, he actually did in the New Testament. We'll look at two verses before we go. Oh, my goodness. So, see, this ought to you. That's your Lord. That's your high priest speaking. Now go over to the book of Oh, second, First Corinthians, chapter number nine. Can you just handle a little bit, a few more minutes here? Thank you, Jesus. I think some people just aren't taught well. I think some people want to. They, maybe out of their desire for people to be free, they're preaching things that are not in line with the Word. But I think we need to just balance it with the Word. Am I making any sense? Verse 13. Did I say 1 Corinthians 9? Verse 13. He said, Do ye not know? Now, this is Paul writing. Now, this is Paul writing to the church. This is to the church. The letters, the epistles are to the church. This is, this is more applicable to us than anything we've read in the Old Testament. So, do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the what? Temple. temple. Now, what happened in the temple? Old Testament, Levitical, ceremonial yeah. worship yeah. under the law. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. That, he's talking about the temple when it was still standing. They which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple. So, he's talking about the Old Testament. Yeah. And they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar. In other words, the priests ate the tithes. They lived on the tithes. They that, uh, uh, which are waiting on the altar, they are partakers with the altar. Now notice what he says in verse 14. Even so, just like that, hath the Lord ordained. Not the Old Testament priesthood. The new high priest of the church has ordained. That they which preach the gospel live of the gospel. Now, the Old Testament priests, they lived on, tithe, on a system of tithes and offerings. Even so, hath the Lord ordained. Hath the Lord, the New Testament high priest of the church. Now, we get into Hebrews. If we, if we continue this Wednesday night, we get into Hebrews. He's ordained to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Yeah. A, a priest is ordained to offer both gifts and sacrifices. And then it says he offered himself once and for all as the final sacrifice. Right. Yeah. But he's not, he didn't offer the final gifts. People say, we're not under the law. Well, he offered the final sacrifice for the remission of our sin, but he did not offer all our gifts. Right. We continue to do that. That part of the law has been done away with. We're not offering bulls and goats. Did you see any calves up here this morning? Where is it? Get it out. We've got to offer a calf before we go. No, because Jesus' blood did all that for us. But he still receives our tithes. Go to Hebrews chapter number 7. Hebrews chapter number 7. This is the last one we're going to go to. We, we really aren't even hardly scratching the surface of this. But this is uh, chapter number 7, verse number 1. We need sound teaching. Uh, that's why things get off. Pastors need to do sound teaching because otherwise people hear things and it sounds great until somebody tells you what the Word says. And then you go, uh. Oh. 
Mm, well, uh, it sounded good until we read the Bible. Okay, and they're quoting scriptures, but they're not saying the whole truth. Hebrews 7, 1. This Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed them, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness. He's talking about Melchizedek. That's what his name meant, king of righteousness. After that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Now, he's a type of the Lord Jesus. You read Hebrews, he's the type of the Lord Jesus, uh, not the high priest in the Old Testament. So notice, keep on reading. Without father, without mother, without descent. In other words, the Bible never mentioned who his father was, mother was. doesn't mention anybody after him in his lineage. In other words, he's a type of Christ is the point. Having neither beginning of days nor end of life, uh, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. That's talking about Jesus. Now consider how great this man was. Now he's talking about the Old Testament man, Melchizedek again. Whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. Now we don't have time to get into this this morning, but if you look up most every other translation, it won't say tenth. It'll say something like the topmost pick of the heap. The best of the spoils. It already mentioned the tenth up there in verse number Two, that's the tenth. That's the tithe. He's talking about the tithe, but it wasn't just the tithe. It wasn't just, let's just find the scrawny one. Let's just find the sick one. Let's find the one that's going to die anyway and, and give him to the Lord. No, it's the best. So the tithe is not just 10%, it's the first 10%, and it's the best. And somebody said, well, that was animals, and they could pick one that was better than the others. What do we do? Pick the best dollar or best hundred dollar bill in our wallet? The point is the heart. You need to want the, the things of God to be blessed with the best. Not the leftovers. Like a pastor told us one time, he moved and started a church and he said some people brought some bowls to him that were all stained and dishwasher, you know, colored, discolored and burnt on one side because it fell in the bottom of the dishwasher thing, burn it. And said, well, we got some new dishes. We couldn't use these. We thought you would want them. Thank you for loving me. God, don't look at me with that tone of voice. Makes me want to preach longer. I'm going to go longer anyway. Now consider how great. <laughs> this man once paid for gave him and gave the tenth, the topmost pick of the heap. Woo! I believe the church ought to have the best. Somebody said, I believe God wants me to have the best. Well, let's, let's bless God that way. Let's, let's do the things of God that way. Now, notice, keep on reading here. Let's save some time. Uh, uh, receive tithes of Abraham, verse number 6. I'm almost done. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. Now, he's trying to say that Melchizedek was greater than Abraham. Uh, here, men that, verse 8, all right, men that die, here men that die receive tithes. That's talking about the Old Testament Levitical priesthood, right? Here men that die receive tithes, but there, we'll see what he means by there, he receiveth them of whom it is witnessed that he liveth. Who's that talking about? Who is it witnessed that he lives? He's talking about Jesus. Jesus is receiving our tithes. 
He's the, up, he's the high priest of the new covenant. If tithing's done away, maybe we should go up there to heaven and tell Jesus, <laughs> that's been done away with. Just don't mean to have to inform you. <laughs> Sorry. See, it's, it's tough. That's why you're grinning. That, I mean, that's why you're grimacing. Jesus is in heaven receiving our tithes. That's all been done away with. If it is, what's he doing receiving them? Amen. That's one of the best ones in the whole New Testament. But they don't want to talk about that. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. Blows holes through our doctrine. This is not legalism. This is, why would, why would people try to do less? Well, what spirit is that? Amen. Did you get anything out of this this morning? We just got it introduced. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I, I don't want to. All right. It's free will. Right? Nobody's forcing anybody to do anything. But I do know that there is some things that you won't enter into without obedience. That's not because we don't want you to be blessed. That's just because disobedience is not... God can't fully honor disobedience. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Yeah. Well, I can't afford to. See, you're, <laughs> you're thinking you're going to have less. How can I... If I give 10% away, how can I have just as much or have more? It's a faith thing. That's why it said, by faith. By faith. We got witnesses all across this room. Maybe we don't know how it works, but it works. I've been doing this since I was a child. Amen. And it works. It works for, works for people that do it by faith. Sometimes it's a, it's a you can stand with me, but sometimes it's a, sometimes things that otherwise would be Expenses in your life are not expenses. It can work that way. It can work where God takes the 90% and makes it go further than the 100%. Because you don't have as many expenses. That's, one, that's only one way. But He can cause favor to come to you. He can cause your boss to get, give you raises. He can have money come from other places. God's got a thousand and one ways. But I can't figure that out. Right. Exactly. It's a faith thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God for the Word. Praise God for the Word. Thank God for the Word. Amen. I want you to... Uh, I'm not... I'll say it again because I want to make sure you heard me. I'm not asking you not to listen to other ministers. I'm saying be mature, not just to swallow everything, just because big preacher on TV said it. Amen. The main voice into your life, I will say this, without apology, every pastor ought to believe this, the main voice into your life is your pastor. These other voices are supplemental feeders. And we can't say we don't have need of them, because the Bible says we do. Right? But that doesn't mean that every, you just swallow every doctrine that comes down the pike just because 
well, a well-known preacher, and there's a lot of people clapping and saying, we agree. That doesn't make it right. What's the head of the church think about it? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, smile at me. I just want to see if you're still happy and still glad you came. All right. Thank God for the truth. Hallelujah. Now, you might say, well, you're a pastor. you got ulterior motives. You ask Pastor Debbie. I don't know if there's any other witnesses, maybe some. But before we were pastors, we traveled all over the United States, preached in churches. The tithe didn't belong to us. It went to that local church. We preached this strong. We preached tithing. I have a, well, I don't know if it's in public. It's not available now. But I was thinking about it the other day. I want to get it out again. I have a, a series on tithing and your high priest. There's a whole lot of good things we want to get into. Hallelujah. And I preached it because I, I believed, and I believe it went to the local I still believe it goes to the local church. Praise the Lord. Yeah, yeah, the tithe goes to the local church. Yeah, Pastor Debbie and I tithe to the local church. And this church tithes to our pastor, which is scriptural also, by the way. I can give you a verse for it. Well, that, that's true, too. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Everybody's still happy. Shout amen. This isn't bondage. I've got to the place I want to do this. He's done so much for me. To me, the tithe is just the starting point. That's just the starting point. A real true tither doesn't have a uh, pay-a-bill mentality. Not, you know, you know I've got to do this. Like, I've got to pay the electric bill. So my electric bill is $92.73, and that's 73 not four not getting four right I don't tithe that way if my tithe is $92 or something it's always that I just round up to 100 because it's not about the mere cash payment it's about the honor the gratitude the thanksgiving Deuteronomy 26 talks about all those things God was looking for a certain kind of a heart and that's the part we didn't scratch the surface on this morning but hallelujah Amen. Somebody said, well, I haven't been tithing. Well, just feed your faith and start acting on the Word of God. Praise the Lord.